Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Welcome to episode 11 of the Toward Light podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about the five spiritual faculties, what they are, how they help us on the path, and how we can use these five qualities in other aspects of our life when we're trying to cultivate something new, like anti-racism, or healing some trauma, or going to school, whatever our new path that we're taking on, we can transfer these spiritual faculties to other aspects of our life. There are so many maps and lists and ways to access the Dharma, I've talked a lot about the Noble Eightfold Path and will, for the rest of my life, talk a lot about the Noble Eightfold Path. But there are other doors that we can use to access the Dharma, to connect with the path. And sometimes, for one reason or another, our practice gets stale or we feel like there's a block. And That's why it's so beautiful that there's such a vast amount of teachings because we can pick up something new and try something new on and see how that feels. The five spiritual faculties are another doorway into cultivating a path that will lead to freedom. It includes qualities that allow us to, when the qualities work together, we can wake up, we can be liberated. I mean, that's the goal over and over again. Whatever we're talking about, we're always, I'm always talking about abandoning greed, hatred, and delusion, and cultivating freedom and liberation. The five spiritual faculties are faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. So you can see that there's some overlap with the Noble Eightfold Path factors. I'm going to go through each one and talk about why they're essential for the Buddhist path, how they can help us with our practice. But then I'll go through them again and talk about how we could use them if we're working to cultivate anti-racism. In the Samyutta Nikaya, the Connected Discourses, there is a whole book or chapter, book 48, which is all of the teachings on the five spiritual faculties. I will link to that in the show notes, but if you're interested in some of the source material, that's where I'm getting this. So faith is the first spiritual faculty, and and we need faith to even try, right? Like we need to have some idea that this works. We need to have some faith that something's not okay, like we need to see clear enough to know, hey, something's not okay. And then we need to have faith to see, oh, but there's a way out of this. So it might be faith in the teachings, in the Buddha himself, in teachers, in your own capacity to change and wake up. Faith is important because it combats doubt. And doubt is said to be the worst of the hindrances in some way, because doubt can stop you from practicing. If we're full of doubt of the path of the practice of our teachers, we can walk away. And so we need to cultivate faith. It's not a blind faith. We're not believing in something without seeing results. 
When I need to cultivate faith, when I find myself consumed by doubt, there are a couple things that I like to do to help me cultivate some faith. One is to reflect on my growth. So to look at a part of my life before I found the path and then compare it to that aspect of my life now and see how that's changed. And that can show me that, oh, the path is working. Oh, I have developed. Maybe it wasn't in the ways I thought, but this is working. I am changing. I can do this. Another way I can cultivate faith is to do that with other people, to think about teachers or Dharma friends I have in my life and and look at how they have changed and grown. And again, that helps me. Or even thinking about, oh, well, that person just went on retreat. Like, I can do this too. Just having that um, fire is really, really useful. It is interesting because so many people are drawn to Buddhism because of the pragmatic nature of it, because of the practical application, and faith doesn't seem to be quite a part of their practice, or they're, they've been inundated in some other faith tradition, some other spiritual tradition that was really kind of blind faith-based. And so for some folks, I know that faith can be a weird word or not feel comfortable. Some other words are trust or confidence. So having some confidence in the path, some trust in your teachers. This is an essential part of waking up. This is what's going to get us here and keep us here is the faith. The second faculty is energy, putting your attention here, working at it, committing I don't know how many of you have heard the spoons story. Uh, I heard this described to me by somebody who has lupus, but it's this idea of, okay, so you wake up in the morning and you have a handful of spoons and each task that you do is going to take a spoonful of energy. And so if you only have X amount of spoons throughout the day, how are you going to use that energy? And that's a question that even for those of us in well bodies have to ask every day. And we we are so habituated to putting our energy into so many places that aren't necessarily useful or wholesome or leading towards freedom. And so we're making a choice to put a big handful of our spoons into this practice to say every day, like this is the energy and the effort that I'm going to put into my life is going to be rooted in these teachings, is going to be rooted in waking up. So that's one way that we can connect with this idea of the spiritual faculty of energy is is what are we putting our energy into and noticing when our energy goes other places that aren't supporting this and how can we bring it back. And similar to the path factor of wise effort, The main thing we're putting our energy toward is we are preventing unwholesome mind states from arising. We're abandoning them when they do arise. We're cultivating wholesome mind states and we're sustaining them. So we're putting our effort and energy into training our mind, into witnessing the thought patterns and seeing how we can move towards more wholesome mind states more of the time. In the sutta under energy, One of the descriptions is makes an effort, arouses energy, applies the mind, and strives. 
again, we want to make sure with our energy that we're not striving too hard, right? But we do want some diligence here. We do want some commitment. The next spiritual faculty is the spiritual faculty of mindfulness. And this includes all four foundations of mindfulness. So body, feeling tone, mind, and phenomena. We're clearly comprehending what's happening in all levels of our life. We are turning a present time lens onto everything that we do. I, of course, could talk about mindfulness for hours, but in this list, in this grouping as a spiritual faculty, and in many lists that it's in, mindfulness is really this balancing factor. When the other faculties feel difficult to connect with, mindfulness is always the place to go, to come here, now, this, And mindfulness brings in the others, right? Because when you are practicing mindfulness, you're bringing energy and you're getting concentrated. So it all comes together. It's it's a good place to land when in doubt. And the beauty of mindfulness is that it is so vast. Again, like we have four foundations of mindfulness. We have four groupings of areas that we can place our attention that end up including the entirety of, of everything. So mindfulness is always something we can pick up when we need grounding on the path. And then the faculty of concentration. In the sutta, it's really talked about as this one-pointed focus and cultivating these absorption states. And like I've talked about before with concentration, we can touch concentration too in momentary ways. If we don't have an absorption practice, don't have that deep, deep concentration, we can still connect with concentration. We can be focused in our practice. We can let go of distractions and cultivate equanimity. And so we need this, right? We need the concentration because it helps us to, just like with the energy, where the energy is getting us like all revved up and ready and here and committed, that the concentration refines that. The concentration allows us to stay, allows us to kind of polish off the edges of any agitation or restlessness and and stay, be here with this, with this path, with this practice. And the final spiritual faculty is the spiritual faculty of wisdom. We see the truth of things. We deeply know the truth of impermanence. We know and embody the Four Noble Truths. We know that there is suffering, the cause of suffering, the end of suffering, and we know the path. We see things as they are. We don't get lost in surface ideas. We see the true nature. And these five spiritual faculties, I just I was sort of touching on it, but they do complement each other. So while mindfulness is this kind of grounding, neutralizing factor, faith and wisdom balance each other. Because if you have too much devotional faith without any basis of wisdom, without any clear seeing, there's going to be a disconnect, right? Or if you're finding your practice getting really dry and you're noticing like, oh God, impermanence again, impermanence again. Oh, can I call on some faith? Can I remember that this is leading to liberation? Can I look at those ahead of me on the path and get some faith there? 
And then energy and concentration balance each other because energy can end up being big. It can end up taking over in some way. It can lead towards restlessness or agitation. And so the concentration, it kind of helps refine that and helps get us more still, bringing that concentrated energy, but not from a place of agitation or urgency. It, it stills the mind a little bit. Okay, so here, these are the five faculties. So then how do we connect with them in other parts of our life? How can we apply these to our anti-racist work as we work to dismantle white supremacy and cultivate anti-racism in our lives? How can we connect with these qualities? And it's not saying that we're not going to be still connecting with these qualities on our path but it's sort of a complement to it. So faith, there needs to be a belief that I can change or the system can change. I have the capacity to do this work, even though it is hard. There's a faith that there is something different available. There is a faith in the innate goodness of ourselves and other beings. Again, it's not this blind faith, we see that some beings are really suffering and that it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to embrace anti-racism. But we see within ourselves the parts of our heart that so badly want to be free and want all beings to be free. And we can connect with that. We can know that all beings somewhere inside of themselves have the potential to wake up. And we can have faith in those who have woken up. We can look at the activists. We can look at the people who are speaking out. A couple of weeks ago, there was a protest in West Palm Beach or somewhere in Florida. And I guess it had been canceled, but not everybody knew. And, and one woman in her 80s showed up for the protest. She was the only person, a white woman, but she just wanted to be really clear. She wanted it to be seen and known that she was not racist and she wanted to be a part of this movement. And that gives me faith. That's one of the many, many stories I can call on when I feel hopeless about this work. Energy. This is where I'm choosing to use my energy. This is where I'm putting some of my spoons. What does that look like for you? What's realistic for you with your energy as you're cultivating anti-racism? And where can you challenge yourself around that a little bit? Where can you notice that, oh, maybe I'm letting myself off the hook a little bit and I could put a little bit more energy into this fight, into this change? I have a commitment to read a certain amount of, for a certain amount of time every day in the anti-racist reading that I'm doing. I have a commitment to put money where my heart is and find organizations to donate to, research and understand different organizations and the work they're doing. Those are just two of my personal commitment. And you need to find for yourself, like what, where do you want to put your energy? This is not a short-term change. This is a revolution. It's going to take time. And so what's realistic and sustainable for you? 
And then this other aspect of energy of making the choice, I'm going to notice when racist thoughts arise, these unwholesome thoughts, and I'm going to abandon them and cultivate wholesome, non-racist, loving, non-judgmental thoughts. And then connecting into mindfulness, how can mindfulness help us with our anti-racist practices? Getting into the body is so important because the body can help us understand where we're shutting down, where we're more receptive, noticing tension, closure, tightness, noticing flexibility and ease. So when a thought arises or we watch a video or we hear a story or we see a person, what's happening in the body? And the more that we can be with that and track that, the more we can understand our conditioning and our patterning the more we can hope to open. Some of the patterning in our body is so old. It is not ours. It comes down from generations of conditioning. And so we can notice that and we can choose differently. We then also can use the tool of Vedana of feeling tone to look at, okay, I know that my initial response to everything that I interact with is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So how can I make sure that I am tracking that and not letting that explode? So if I interact with something that's unpleasant, can I leave it there? Do I have to create a whole story and get lost in thought? Or can I just, in the moment, unpleasant, release? Again, this is like a topic I need to do a whole episode on. So sorry, I'm just kind of breezing through it. Mindfulness of mind, noticing when the mind is leaning towards greed, aversion, or delusion and going to the opposite. So when the mind is saying, I just want all this to change right now, that greed state saying, okay, how can I rest in some kindness or some equanimity? How can I be generous or give in some way to make that a reality? If the mind is caught in, God, I hate those people so much. I can't believe that they're being so judgmental or so unaccepting. Well, first of all, um, noticing that you're being judgmental by judging them. But then again, connecting into, okay, where can I bring some kindness, some compassion? Oh, they're suffering. I'm suffering. We're not seeing the same thing, but we're both just suffering beings. Can I have some compassion here? And delusion, noticing when we're caught up, when we're lost, coming back to wisdom, connecting with our body, with our breath, with what's right here, right now. And then the fourth foundation of mindfulness, all the other phenomena, we can really ask our, the question, kind of what's happening in this moment, what is happening and how can I respond in a way that is, works for my whole mind-body system? And it might be that the best response in that moment is to take a breath or is to lie down. But when we bring our awareness to our present moment experience, we are way more likely to be able to cultivate anti-racism because we're not lost in the past or worried about the future. We're here and we're doing what we can with what we have. Concentration, it allows us to stay focused here. We don't need to get pulled away from this work. Anti-racist work is difficult, it's confronting, it's painful, and we need to stay with it. It's a long-term commitment. 
So you've got that energy that's arisen and you're saying, yes, I want to do this work. And then the concentration says, yeah, just stay, just stay. Don't need to push, but you also can't drift. You need to stay right here with this. You need to know that some days are going to be easy and some days are going to be really hard. And some days it's going to feel like progress and some days it's not. And you're going to stay here anyway. And then how we can use this faculty of wisdom as we're cultivating anti-racism is that we stay with the truth of impermanence and the truth of suffering and the cause of suffering, the end of suffering, the way out of suffering. We choose not to look away and we choose to cultivate an understanding of what's happening. We all can access wisdom in different ways. And I'm not talking about Okay, like reading a book wisdom. This is the what do we see in our lived and felt experience. So of these five spiritual faculties, faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom, where is easy for you? Where is harder? Is there one of these faculties that as you've been listening to me that you've said, oh, I really struggle with that or like, oh, yeah, I got that one. And where could you bring some curiosity to that? How could you cultivate more of the one that maybe you have more trouble with? For me, so often it's the concentration. I get caught up in too many other things. I get distracted. I get pulled away. Pretty frequently when I'm speaking with my teacher, I'll be talking about something going on in my life and he'll say, well, what's the dharmic lesson in this? Or what's the Buddhist quality that you need right now? And even though this path is underlying everything I do, I forget that still. I forget that and I get lost. And the concentration can bring me back, can keep me focused so that when I get upset about something, oh, what what defilement is coming up right now? What is the antidote? But I forget that and I get lost in other things. So, so that's the one I'm going to work on. But for each of you, if you're curious about taking on these faculties, where do you need to spend some more time? Where, which one needs more of your focus right now? As you've seen, I hope, that they all build on each other and they all work together. So focusing on one doesn't get in the way of the other ones growing. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.